All right, we're wrapping up our series that we've been going over the last four weeks. Um, <clears throat> it's about what God's called us to do, our vision. Um, if this is your first time here, um, I promise you, you will have our whole vision statement memorized before you leave. There's four words right behind me, embrace, encourage, equip, and empower. God's called us to embrace people where they are. We don't, you don't have to arrive somewhere. People don't have to arrive to come to Jesus. They don't have to get their act together. They come to Jesus like they are, and he'll do a work. So we embrace people and love people right there where they're at. Uh, <clears throat> encourage, the Greek word for encourage is the same Greek word, where the root word that's in the word for the Holy Spirit, which means to come alongside. So as an encourager, we come alongside people, and we encourage them. But we talked this, this week, this time, more so about also allowing people to come alongside of us and encourage us. And that whole idea, we've talked about it for the last several months, about just being real with who we are, what we're going through, where we're at, and let people help us, let people walk beside us. And we need to do that for each other. We need to be people that will encourage one another, but we also need to be people that will allow people to encourage us. And then we talked about equipping. And equipping means that, you know, basically having the tools necessary to do what God's called you to do. And part of equipping each other is, is just walking with them, pointing out scriptures, praying with each other, helping people on that journey, especially if they're just starting out. And then last week we talked about empowering people. And all of the source of power that we talked about comes from God. So we talked last week we had a light that was plugged in right here. And that light is totally ineffective without power. Now when it's connected to the power, that light is amazing. And it lit up this room very bright. But it only works when it's connected to a source of power. And we talked about how we need to be connected to God to, to, for power to flow out of our life. Power comes from God, comes from Jesus, comes from the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the Word is alive and powerful. And we talked about that. We also talked about how power can flow through you to help other people. We used an extension cord that plugged into the power. And someone else, like your neighbor, their light. And because of the light in you, the power that God is using in you, you can help encourage other people in their life. And that's what we talked about last week. So all of these, and if you, if you weren't here for any of them, they're online and you can hear them. I'd encourage you to do that. Now that we keep it up to date, um, you can get on there and check those out. But today we're going to talk about why, you know, what do we do now that we know what it is? Now it's time that we act on it. Because when God speaks something to you, the greatest thing you can do is obey. It's not enough to just know it. God's called us to walk it out. And if you're a thriver, you know, if you're visiting here today, today you're a thriver. But if you're a thriver and this is, your, this is where you call church, this is your home, then this is, this is what God is asking you to do. Not me, God is asking you to be a part of this and to do this. So the importance of our vision, we're going we're gonna to do this and we're going to do it well and uh, we're going to see God's blessing come out of it. Let me read a few scriptures to you. Proverbs 29, verse 18 says this. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Whoever disobeys, whoever obeys the law is joyful. Look at that in the uh, message translation. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they're, they're most blessed. Okay. Whatever God shows, we need to obey and do it. If we do what he reveals to us, which for us is these four words, we'll walk blessed because we're being obedient. 
Now the Amplified. Where there is no, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Some of y'all will get that later. Uh, the Amplified version says, where there is no vision. See, it's just now happening over here. There you go. Where there is no vision, uh, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. Vision is important. Where there's no vision, people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes the, that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. So we need to walk out the vision God's given us. Would you agree? We need to walk it out. We need to make sure that we understand without vision, people perish. There needs to be direction. We need to know where we're going in order to go. If I said, hey, come to my house, and you don't know where I live, that's not going to help you at all. You're not going to know. But if you know where I live and you know the direction you need to head, then you're going to be successful. So for us, we're going to make sure that we really walk this out. Our vision came from God. Ephesians 3.20. Now, all glory to God who is able to work through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. Say God accomplishes that, okay, more than we could ask or think. So if we want to see things that are bigger than us, that only comes from God. God wants to do things in this church, I'm telling you, that are bigger than what we could do on our own. And it's only going to happen if we fulfill what he's called us to do. Because when we walk in obedience, we'll see, we'll see things happen. But we have to be obedient. We have to be ready to embrace and understand this is what God's called us to do. Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about God's plans. And it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Those are the plans that God has. Those aren't people who say, hey, I know my plans. No, those are God's plans for you. Most of the time, when you have a plan and God has a plan, they're different. Now, when you surrender your plan to God's plan, this is the promise for you, that they'll be good, not for disaster, and it'll give you a future, and it'll give you a hope. Those are what God's plans. So when God does that for you, but in this case, for us as a church, if God's called us to do this, I can tell you why he's called us to do this. Because there's a lot of people that need to be embraced right where they are. There's a lot of people that need encouragement. There is a lot of people that need to be equipped and empowered to do what God's called them to do. It's so, um, it's just, it's more real to me now than ever as I look back on, on the church when we started. And <clears throat> I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning uh, before, when we first were just wondering what God's calling us to do, and God spoke these four words to me. Three o'clock in the morning wasn't an audible voice, but first of all, I don't even function at three o'clock in the morning. But I woke up, and I was alert, and I just went and sat down, and I was just kind of praying, and I got my computer out, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me and says, what I want you to do, embrace, encourage, equip, and empower people. And I said, okay, but what people? And then he led us to plan a church. But God spoke those to me. That wasn't, we didn't sit there and say, Patty, let's come up with four words that start with the same letter. You know, we didn't do that. The Lord spoke those. And because he did, I know that there's a reason. Well, as I look back over the last March, the end of March will be five years. And as I look back over the last five years, 
I see family after family, person after person that came here hurt or wounded by the church, by a church or people in the church or ministries, or because of something growing up, they just never, they didn't like church. And they were hurt. And I didn't put it all together right away, but I realized, why, of all the churches, why this one? We're in a basement. You know, we're not even advertising. How did you even find out? But you know why God sent them? Because he knew if we'll do what he's called us to do, he'll send the people who need what we have. So God's calling us to this because his plan is to those people that are hurting and just need to be loved on and just need to be embraced and encouraged, he'll send them here. If we'll be faithful to take care of them. You know, for those, if you have kids, you're not going to drop your kids off somewhere if you, didn't, if you don't think they're going to be taken care of. I would never do that. Well, God wouldn't either. God wouldn't just send his kids somewhere like, well, maybe they'll like you. Maybe they'll love on you. Or they may just make fun of you. That's not, you know what, God will send you to, God will send people here if he knows we'll be faithful to do what he's called us. So this is bigger than us. This, I don't mean to sound this, I don't mean this to sound like stern, but it's the only way I know how to say it. This isn't an option for us. It's the only thing God's called us to do. That's it. If we don't do that, we are disobedient to the Lord. That's how important it is for us to really grab hold of this vision. That's why I talk about it every year. I think the whole month of January, every year. And it changes up a little bit. It's a lot of the same notes, same scriptures. It's repeating myself. Why? Because we got to keep reminding ourselves, this is what God said. And this is why we do this. So we need to encourage and embrace and, and love people where they are and equip them and help them in their journey. And we need to let people do that to us too because that's what, that's what this is all about. Uh, Galatians 1, verse 11 and 12. Brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source. No one taught me. Instead, I received a direct revelation from Jesus Christ. See, Paul was not talking about the things he was doing because some human told him this is a good thing to do. We're not doing this because some human said, hey, this is a great idea. You know, someone asked me um, if we ever plant a church, you know, and they said, would you plant a church? And I was like, man, I could see us planting a church. Well, what would be the, uh, what would be the vision of the church? Would it be embrace the courage, equip, and empower? And I was like, it would be whatever God said. This is for us. This isn't for everybody. God, every church is called to do different things. But this is us. And we don't try to, you know, mimic what someone else does, but neither will we tell someone else that this is how you have, this is what your vision is. Now, for Thrive, it's our vision. So kids' ministry vision, embrace, encourage, equip, and empower kids. You know what our youth ministry vision is? You know what our men's ministry vision is? There you go. All around the board. That's, we have one vision for everybody in this church. And it's just specific in every area according to what area we're ministering to. But that's it. And we got to be faithful to it because God's the one that gave us that vision. And then Matthew 16, 17, 
Jesus replied, you're blessed, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed to you. You did not learn this from any human being. This is when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And they were saying, and Peter says, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he said, you know what? You know how you knew that? It was revealed by Jesus. It was revealed to you. This is a revelation, y'all. This is a revelation from God of what he's called us to do. And we need to, we need to take it very serious. All right, here we go. Here's what our vision will require of us once we know what it is. It requires obedience. Luke 6, 46 through 49. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood waters rise and break against that house, it will stand firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house with, without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse to, into a heap of ruins. Here's what he's saying. When you hear something from the Lord, obey it. That's it. Obey it. You know, we, we teach our kids. And we have taught them. And every now and then we got to remind them. But we teach them. Listen. Obedience in our house is not an option. You can't decide one day I'm going to obey you, but then one day I'm not. There's consequences if you're disobedient. Why is that? Because obedience, the, the standards and the guidelines we have at our home are to protect our children. Not to make their life miserable, to protect them. So when we say, don't play by the fireplace, when the fire's going, that's not because we're mean, even though they could think that. That's because you can get hurt. Obedience is not, it's not an option. As children of God, when God speaks to us, we, we need to respond. That's the greatest thing. It's for your benefit. You will be more blessed when you obey what God's called you to do than if you try to do something on your own. Because God knows more than you know. Parents, well, let me address this to young people. Young people, your parents know more than you do. <laughs> all these adults, yes, that's right. But, but it's true. It's true. And although young people at times, they, you know, they want that independence. And, 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 I, and you know what? We need, to, we need to allow them to grow in that. But at the same time, there are some things that we just know and we protect our kids from because we want to see them succeed in life. That's what God does. This right here, this, this will not only change your life because of what you do for other people, but when you allow people to do that to you, it'll change your life. I'm much more open than I was before. I'm much more real than I was before. And part of me being real had to, had to be to the point where I, could, where I could say, listen, I don't always have it together, and I need encouragement. I need to allow people to encourage me. I need to allow people to help me. And that's part of the journey that I've been on. All right, look at 1 Samuel 15, 22. Samuel replied, what's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering 
the fat of the ram. So here was Saul out there, and instead of, the Lord told him to kill every animal, everything, get rid of all of it. But what he did is he kept some of the real, he kept some of the cattle and stuff, and he wanted to offer these sacrifices to the Lord. Right heart, but it was disobedient. So what he was saying is, listen, even these sacrifices, even though you're, you may be doing that with the right heart, it's not what I asked you to do. Obedience is better than sacrifice. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of great ideas about what we could do as a church. But if they don't fit into this, it's not what he's called us to do. There's a lot of things that we do that fit into this. But you know what? We can do all these, we can do a bunch of stuff. We can set up on the corners and just preach the gospel and, and just shake this world up. But if we don't do this, we failed. Because this is what God's called us to do. And he's given us the ability to do it. And we'll get there in just a second. Uh, Luke 5, 4 through 7. He finished speaking. He told Simon, go out where it's deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we've worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were full. So full of fish that they began to tear. That they shout for help and bring other partners in other boats. And both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. So here's Peter who had been out there fishing all night. Didn't catch anything. Jesus comes, uses his boat to speak to the crowd. It tells Peter, all right, let's go back out there and fish. And Peter said, um, you know, I mean, Peter was a fisherman. It wasn't like he had no idea about fish. He knew. And he told Jesus, he's like, we've been out there all night. There's no fish out there. But then he says this, because you say so. I'll do it. You know where the success came in catching fish? Obedience. Obedience. It didn't come in, oh, we happened to hit a, a spot where there's a lot of fish. No. Listen, God was sending those fish because Peter was going to be obedient. If we're obedient, you know what? God will send people that need to be loved on. Even if he doesn't send them here, he'll send them to you. You'll be at work one day and someone will come up to you and they'll just be struggling with something. They'll talk to you and you'll be able to encourage them and pray with them and, and let them know they're not crazy, that, it's, that, that they're going to make it and that God loves them. He'll bring people to you if he knows you'll minister to them. All right, let's go to uh, Matthew 14, 22 to 32. <clears throat> Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up on the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called, Lord, if it's really you, Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. All right, here's what happens. G Peter is in the boat. The disciples are in the boat. Jesus comes walking on the water. And Peter, Peter says, Lord, if that's you, then tell me to come. Basically, I need to hear from you before I do it. 
I can't just do it because I, I want to do it or I'm going to do it. I need to know that's you. And if you tell me to do it, I'll walk on water. And it was only after Jesus spoke and said, yes, Peter, come. When, when Jesus said, come, that automatically means I've given you the, the power and the authority to walk on water. The only person in scripture besides Jesus that ever walked on water, Peter. Sometimes Peter gets a bad rap because he denied Jesus. And sometimes there was a couple of times where even God was like, Peter, be quiet. Just, psh. you know, but you know what? He heard something from God and he, and he obeyed and he got out of the boat. He got out of it. If God's telling us to do this, He's given us the power to do it. He's given us the authority to do it. He's given us everything we need to do what he's called us to do. Otherwise, he wouldn't tell us to do it. Peter, in his own ability, could have never walked on water. You can. If you think you can, go try it. Film it. You can. It's impossible. But with God, if God says do it, it's possible. Because the Bible says everything is possible with God. All things are possible. So when we hear from God, we act on it. And then Luke 17, 11 through 17. Jesus continued toward Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village, there were ten lepers that stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thank, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Now, this whole story, obviously, this is a story of gratitude in the sense of, you know, 10% of the people that were healed actually came back and said thank you. That's pretty sad. But I would say it's probably... It's probably similar today of how much we actually spend time thanking God for what he's done. We spend a lot of time asking him to do more. We spend a lot of time with, we'll go to God and we need something. But I want to encourage you. You need to take time during the day to just thank God. Thank God. If you don't know what to thank God for, thank God that you have the breath to thank God. There's always something you can thank God for. There's always something. He's got you to where you are today, and he'll take you to where he wants you to go. He's been faithful to you, and he's been faithful to me. And there's times it would just be healthy for us just to stop and thank God. And that's what a lot of people talk about in this, and it's true. But, but here's the other side. Here's ten lepers, and Jesus says, show yourself to the priest. Okay, well, they're not even technically even allowed to go there with leprosy. They were kind of outcasts. But because Jesus said, they went. They acted in obedience without seeing anything right away because they weren't healed right at that moment. It was sometime on the journey. So imagine, imagine you being one of those ten people. And you have leprosy, and they tell you, oh, go to the priest. I'm not allowed to go to the priest. But Jesus said it. And imagine taking the first couple of steps thinking, um, guys... Are we supposed to really? But you know what? They were obedient. And all through Scripture, you see obedient. The, the, in 2 Kings, you see the widow who collected jars. She collected all these jars that she was supposed to pour the oil in. She only had a small flask of oil. 
She didn't need all those jars. But why did she collect them? Because that's what the prophet said to her. That's what the Lord spoke. You know, David, he's fighting this huge giant. And all he has is this little slingshot. He's got a little sling, that's all. But he had the power of God. You know, Moses, he gets to the Red Sea and the Lord says, strike the water with your staff. It, it, nothing happened to the water until he obeyed. A lot of times, all through Scripture, there is a natural thing that people did in obedience that set them up for the miraculous. And Moses struck the water and the Red Sea parts. I mean, parts. that you, They walk on dry land through the Red Sea, right in the middle of the Red Sea. See, sometimes it's hard for us to fathom that because we weren't there. But just imagine. Imagine what would, what would it be like to see that. But it was real. I mean, the sea parted, and they walked through, and they got through on the other side, and he hit the water again, and they closed up on the enemy. Obedience was key for their victory. Obedience was, was crucial for them to make it. They had to obey, and that's what they did. So we need to be obedient. Now, I want to encourage you in something. The vision that God's called us to do, it requires nothing of your ability. Isn't that good? You don't have to know how to do it all. Are there people in your life that in the natural, you don't even know how to embrace them? Or you want to embrace them, but you want to squeeze extra tight. Like, come in. I want to embrace their neck. But you know what? You don't have to have it all together to fulfill the vision God's called us to do. All you have to do is be available. Look at Exodus 3, 10 through 12, and then we'll go to Exodus 4, 10 through 12. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. In chapter 4, verse 10 through 12, it says this, Moses pleaded with the Lord again, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I'm, I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get all tangled. And then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or not speak, hear or not hear, see or not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you and what to say. So even Moses in the, in the natural, Moses said, I can't do that. Who am I to do that? I, can't, I don't even have the ability. I can't even get all my words together. And the Lord's like, okay, well, let's just back up. Who made your mouth? You think I can put the words in there? And God's like, listen, I just need you to be obedient. I'll speak through you. Be obedient. And that's, that's what Moses did. So God will, God will use you. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. Look at Philippians 2.13. This is how good God is. God is working in you. Who's working in you? God. And you know what he's going to do? He's giving you the desire and the power or ability to do what pleases him. That's the God that we serve. A God that says, listen, if I've called you to fulfill the vision of this church, 
then I want you to know I'm going to give you the desire to do it because I'm going to work in you. If you allow God to, he will work in you. And what you don't feel like doing sometimes, if you allow God to work in you, he will actually give you the desire to fulfill what he told you to do. And then he'll give you the authority and the power that you need to do it. He's proven that. He's proven that. Even when he called Patty and I to pastor, it, was, it wasn't our idea. It wasn't something that we felt like we even had the ability to do. You know, our youth pastor, I felt confident in that, but not in pastoring and definitely not in planning a church. But you know what? It was almost like God was telling us, listen, I, I just need an instrument to flow through. I'm not asking you to figure out how to do it. I'm not asking you to come up with it. I'm not asking you to strategize about it. I'm not asking you to have this huge plan together. I'm just asking you, will you let me use you? That's it. So you know what? It's like we talked about. An extension cord plugged in there. That extension cord, no one ever glorifies extension cords. No one's like, man, that's such a nice extension cord. No one does that. You know why? Because, listen, it's, it's just a conduit. That power is going from there to the light, and there was a big gap there, so there was this extension cord that takes the power from there and puts it out where it needs to. You know what God has done for us? He, he's, he's doing a work in us. We connect to God, and his power flows out of us into other people to love them, to encourage them, to, to, to know how to minister to them. That's what he's called us to do. All of us. And we're going we're gonna to get back to this. <clears throat> All right, look at Philippians 1.6. I'm certain that God, when he begins a good work in you, will complete his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Listen, he's doing this work in us all the way up until Jesus comes again. So this, this plan that he has, he started by telling us what it is, and he's going to be there all the way until Jesus comes again to help us, to work in us and through us to fulfill what he's called us to do. And then I'll tell you this, and we'll close with this. Our vision, it may not always be easy. This is what we were talking about earlier. There are times where there may be people that, that just get under your skin. Right? <laughs> but I'll tell you this. They're not under God's. And we got to learn to treat people the way God wants us to treat them. That's where we have to come, Lord, I'm available for you to use me to love that person. But it's going to take your love in me to do it. It's going to take your love. There's people, yeah, I mean, it's the same way. There's no, listen, if, if there's people that get under your, under your skin, listen, I get it. I understand. But I'm telling you this, that God will help us. God will help us. So it may not always be easy. It may be a challenge at times. But God in you will do it. God in you will do it. So th those people, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, you know, that you're going to end up just loving all over these people. But I am telling you, there will be a heart that you have to still love the person. And be con compassionate towards the person, not the stuff necessarily. It doesn't mean there's never boundaries that you have to set in your life or anything like that. But it does mean that God still loves that person. 
and still wants us to see them. And sometimes, sometimes God will work on people and hear my heart in this. Sometimes he doesn't need your help. Sometimes as we see people do something, we feel like we got to go address that. Hey, you, you shouldn't be treating people that way. You should be. You. And there might be a time where the Lord opens a door. You have a relationship with someone. But before you can really encourage someone to change, you got to embrace them first. Because there's a reason why they're in that order that God gave them to us. But sometimes he doesn't need you to try to fix people. He needs you to love them where they are first. And when they see that you care about them, they'll let you help fix them. Because they'll trust you. Because they know you accept them where they are. And they don't have to earn anything. And then eventually, you have the right to speak into their life. Look at uh, 1 Peter 5, 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Listen, the enemy is out to destroy you and everybody around you. Relationships, friendships, uh, marriages. He's, try he's trying. We have to understand that this, this isn't always going to be easy. We've got to recognize the enemy's plan. We've got to stay on guard. And no, listen, right now, I want to slap that person. That's just, I just, I just want to slap them, God. I want to lay hands on the sick. And they're sick. But you know what? There are times. There are times when that feeling is there. And you've got to know that's the enemy. That's the enemy wanting you to, to digress from what God has called you to do and take matters into your own hands. And you've got to be careful because sometimes even in right hearts, we, we, we sometimes do that. And the Lord wants us to, to make sure that we're surrendering to him because that's, the enemy is about going around trying to destroy. And that's not what we want to do. James 4, 7 says, when we submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil and he'll flee. When the enemy is trying to get you to compromise what God's called you to do and who's God called you to be, and when the enemy wants to compromise that in your life, you know what? When you've submitted to God, you don't have to fight the devil. You just resist them. Can I help you with something? In case you haven't read this, we already won. It, the battles, I mean, the devil's been defeated. He's been stripped of all of his powers. He just is a deceiver trying to make you think he's strong. But we won. You're already on the winning team. If you have Jesus, you're, you're on the winning team. But the enemy will try to deceive you. The enemy will try to get you to question that. And we got to be very careful that we submit ourselves to him. And then it's not about trying to fight the devil. Listen, don't be one of those people that, that talk to the devil more than you do God. Devil, I, devil, I, devil, I, devil, I just tell you, devil, you can't, devil, you can't. Listen, don't, just speak to God. That does more to move the devil out than you talking to him. Just resist him. Just, nope, that's it. He's not worth your, your words. All right? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Don't you realize that in a race everyone wins, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. We do it for an eternal prize. So run with purpose in every step. Run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. 
Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. We need to train ourselves to do what we should, not what we feel, not what we want all the time, but what should we do? There's a difference at times. It shouldn't always be like this. But there are times, as your pastor, there's times I want to do something and it's different than what I should do. And that's when I got to make sure that I, I put myself under subjection to the word of God and what God's called me to do and who's God called me to be and make the decision that I will do what God's called me to do. And I will train myself to do what I should do, not what I feel like doing or what I want to do all the time. Doesn't mean we're not going to have moments where you do what you feel and you, you, you know, you get back on track. We're all going to have those, but we got to be able to know to do what God's called us to do is the most important thing. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they, then they cannot please the lawful the officer who enlisted them. It's just another analogy that we can't get caught up in the things of the world. We got to stay in track to do what our commanding officer wants us to do. What does God call us to do? And let's do it. Hebrews 10, 32 to 36. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering with the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when you owned, when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Listen, God's going to take care of you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that God has promised. You will be patient in your endurance is what you need now. Patiently endure with what God's called you to do. Even when it's tough, endure through it so that you will continue to do what God's called you to do. Then, then you will receive all that he has promised when you stay true to what God's called you to do. And then the last verse, Galatians 6, 9, don't get tired in doing what's good. At just the right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. If you don't give up. Listen, there's going to be times, I just want to encourage you with something as far as just as a church. You know what's going to make this church healthy? And I believe we're healthy, but even healthier is when we all operate in this. It's not going to be healthy because of a pastor. It's not going to be healthy because of a, a, a team leader. It's not going to be healthy. It's going to be healthy when we're all in this thing together. And God's called me to do the same thing he's called you to do. And that's these four words. And that's why it's important for you. And listen, I, you know my heart. I don't even have to apologize for this. You know my heart. But I want you to know, we don't, it's, I don't look and, you know, who's here, who's not here. We don't take attendance. We don't do all that. But can I tell you, sometimes God has you here. Because you need to be encouraged. And you need to be loved on. And if you're going through something, the worst thing you could do is stay away from this place. Because this is where God set everything up for you to be embraced and encouraged. What you desire to feel, he's put you in a place to feel that. 
And sometimes in our hurt and in our pain, we'll run from that. Because why? Because I'll admit, as a church, we, as a church overall, the body of Christ, we have had this thing that we haven't been able to be as real as we should be. But see, that's changing. We're going to be real. We're going to be honest. We're going to know, listen, we all got our stuff. And we all need to be here. And we need to, because we need to be embraced and encouraged. So it is important. It's not important. You're not going to be, you're not going to get to heaven and get an extra little treat because you made service every Sunday. Okay, so I'm not saying you're going to be any more spiritual, but I'm telling you, sometimes it's really not, you need to, sometimes it's not about just, well, I'm, you know, I just don't want to go or whatever. There might be times too that you need to be here because someone needs to be embraced and encouraged. And God wants to use you because of what you've been through to help somebody. So again, it's not about you trying to get here every week or anything like that, but it's about if we're going to fulfill what God's called us to do, we got to be here to do that, and we got to let people do that in us. And it's a, it's a serious thing when it comes to what God speaks. If it's just me saying, hey, we're going to have a car wash. Okay, don't come. But when God says I've caused you to do something, let's do it. Now it happens outside these four walls. It happens way outside these four walls. But it needs to happen in these four walls too. That, we, that we're here for each other. You know what blesses Jim and Jill Peterson right now is that they know this whole body went to bat for them. You know what blessed Amy and Frank when I sent them a picture last week of us as a congregation huddled together praying for their baby? It blessed the mess out of them. They're like, that was so awesome, man. That picture just really blessed us. Why? Because that's what family does. That's what we should do. We encourage them. We empower them. You're going to make it. God's got this. We're standing with you. We're fighting with you. That's what, this, that's what God's called us to do. It's a, it's a serious thing, but I promise you this. It's the most fun thing you'll ever do in your life. Because God will never ask you to do something. That's not worth it. <laughs>